one of the things that I talk to my community about every single day is the importance of making sure that you're talking to at least one stranger a day. So many people go days, weeks, months without ever talking to anybody about their business. And then they wonder why their business is failing. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and today we're going to talk about entrepreneurship and really what it takes to build your business in a way that is real for you. I know that everyone that's listening in business, everyone that's listening understands what the real you is. We're all building a business, but you know, we're going to talk about how to take that to the next level. So I've invited Sabrina Victoria, who is an entrepreneur at heart. Her company, Human Better 365, is the catalyst behind her community, Her Nation. She's the host of her talk show, which airs five times a week. So we're going to dive into how exactly she gets a podcast out five times a week. And we talk about confidence, finding your voice and stepping into the real you. So welcome to the show, Sabrina. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. So good. So entrepreneur at heart, I know that you've had a few businesses. Tell us about your very first business that you started. Yeah, I was actually trying to escape an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. I started a a little tiny side business under the radar secretly. I opened up a secret bank account and I had a little business called Living Fabulously. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of alter ego because I was this, you know, not deprived, but like darkness, despair, you know, heartache in this abusive relationship. And I stepped into personal development about eight years into that relationship. And I started to create this like alter ego for myself, this woman that was stepping into her power and living fabulously. It was all based around health, wellness, yoga. And I sold exercise packets and recipe packets for smoothies and acai bowls before they became super popular. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I created about fifty fifty thousand $50,000 over the course of a couple of years because I was doing it secretly. Mm-hmm. And that was first taste in like creating income for myself as a coach. Mm, nice, nice. So confidence. I want to talk about confidence to start with because I certainly hear this a lot. I'm sure that you certainly hear this a lot. You know, I don't have the confidence to do that. You know, I don't have the confidence to take myself to the next level. Now, you obviously were in a position where there was probably, I'm going to guess, I have not been in an abusive relationship, but I can only guess that the confidence level would be about as low as you can go. What did you do? to take on that confidence, to be able to take that step forward? Two things, consistently filling my ears with individuals telling me that it was possible. Mm-hmm. Always be Googling every single day, inspirational speakers, motivational speakers. And every day I would be listening to somebody telling me that it was possible and I could do it and I am worthy and barely listened to music ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always something in my ear telling me that I was doing on a good path. Number two, stepped into fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I have learned over the course of my entire life. I didn't necessarily know it at the time, but you know, for those listening who 
possibly have this feeling of, I don't have any confidence or, you know, I have low self-esteem that might be possible. Mm -hmm. And the way to heal that is not from outside sources. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we feel that we've been given low self-esteem or given no confidence, our parents, our religion, our past partners, our sister, our brother, our grandma, whoever, we're pointing blame at people and they're like, because of them, I have low confidence. I have low self-esteem. And I believe what it is, is a lack of stepping into fear and taking courageous acts. Because mm. we are so full of fear because of our low confidence, low self-esteem, we don't step into fear. So then we never create the power that we are capable of by taking courageous acts. So the first step is on you. You have to find something that you are fearful of. It might be speaking, it might be podcasting, it might be starting a YouTube channel, it might be having your first sales call, it might be talking to friends and family about what you're selling, whatever it is. You step into that fear, then you don't die and that's what creates confidence. Mm. Don't die. And then you realize, oh my gosh, this worked. Nothing happened. I'm okay. I'm still here. And then you do something else that's fearful, something else that's courageous. And you continue on stepping into courageous acts. And what happens is over time, when you continue to do those courageous things, your confidence goes up, your self-esteem goes up, and your success goes up. Mm. So what I find really interesting about this topic is that there are a lot of people in my world that have already successful businesses. So they're like, well, I'm already doing 50 sales calls a week. I'm already doing, you know, podcast interviews. I'm already doing all these things, but there's still this one thing. There's still this one area in my business where this isn't working where I'm still afraid to, I'm, you know, I'm stepping into my fear in these 20 areas, but there's this one area where I just can't push forward. What is the difference there? Because we're talking to people that go, yep, yeah, we get it. We're stepping into our fear every day. We're building these businesses. But why is this one little area still holding me back? I think that humans in general, always, if you're continuously evolving and continuously pivoting, there should always be a fear. And the moment that you recognize that fear and you're aware of it, well, then it's on you to step into whatever that is. Mm. Um, but that's the joy of entrepreneurship. I think that's the joy of the journey is there was a time where that person who's now making 50 sale calls a day, there was a time where they had made none. Absolutely. Yeah. And their one call was the fear. And then their first actual sale where money came in or they actually had to ask for their money, they got to the close. That's a fear, right? All of us have had the sales calls. We have the sales calls, have sales calls, and we're not freaking closing. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be we're not closing. We're doing sales calls, but we're not getting to the close. And it's that fear you have to get over. You just have to ask for the money. You have to ask for the sale. You have to ask to send the contract, whatever it is. And once you get the rhythm of that, so now we're just at a different level. Now we're doing 50 sales calls and it's a no brainer, but there's something else that's hindering. And it's the same exact thing. And one of the things that I talk about is the importance of looking back sometimes mm. and taking note of all of the wins 
all of the times you stepped into fear. So remind yourself of the first sales call, remind yourself of the first close, remind yourself of the first time the money actually popped up, you know, because there's a fear there also. Like I know when I first started selling my $10,000, $20,000 products, that fear between sending the contract, signing the contract, sometimes 24, 48 hours mm-hmm. and I'm freaking out. And then they sign it finally, right? They sign it. And then the money, like they signed it, is the money going to come? Is the, is the contract going to hold up? Are they going to stay to their word? Like there's all these, you know, hiccups that are in the lineage of that. So those are all wins. Those mm. are all wins. You have to remind us the first time we stepped on stage, first time we got onto a podcast, first time we were on TV, first time we got on a TEDx stage. Um, remind yourself. And what happens is when you start writing that stuff down, those go from tens to twenties to thirties to hundreds of hard things that you have done in your life. And that's the amp sometimes that you need just to take that one extra step towards that other thing, knowing that there will be another thing after that. Absolutely. It never stops, right? It's a journey that just keeps going forever. But what I love about what you just said is, and this goes back to a conversation I was having with a client just recently. And she said to me, I just don't celebrate the wins. And I just, you know, I don't stop and think about all those things that I've done because I look at my list and go, wow, but there's so much to do. It's like she, she almost was saying that she holds herself back from celebrating because there was like a guilt because there was still so much to, you know, on her plate. And I hear this a lot in my world that people saying, oh, I know I should celebrate, but, but this is why this is, this is really embodying those feelings so that we can, you know, feel them and be able to move forward and know that we're going to be okay. Yeah. And I do think there is a caveat there. You don't want to rest in your laurels either. Like if you're mm-hmm. going to be a successful mm-hmm. business person, you know, I've seen this too, where they sell, they get a good one week, two weeks, three weeks, they're pulling in the money. And then all of a sudden there's a lull and there's like, what is the lull? Why is there a lull? And it's because you were resting mm-hmm. because you're celebrating too much. And you're like, I can relax now. So I think that there is a thin line between, yes, celebrating, yes, having a list of your wins and don't allow yourself to sit in that for too long where there's a huge dip in your business. And now all of a sudden you're scrounging around for sales and lists and emails and, and, you know, what's going out next. If you got to feel a consistency of the, the, your duties of what you're doing on a daily basis, as far as contacting the right amount of people, whether it's ads or calls or direct messages, or however you're creating your sales, um, the consistency has to be there in order to reach the success. Mm. Consistency is a, a word that I use a lot along with the word resourcefulness. And we'll get into that as well. But consistency is definitely one of the the traits that we need as entrepreneurs. Now, you've got a podcast, as I mentioned earlier, her talk show, which airs five times a week. That is absolutely astounding to me. Um, I have two podcasts between them. We launch three episodes a week. 
And I know how much that work is. And I've got a team that does all of my production and it's still a lot of work. What, first, what possessed you to have a podcast that airs five times a week? And in the consistency, what did you need to put in place for you personally to be able to get that to happen? A hundred percent. So I started with no guests. My podcast started with just me talking about my story. Then I got tired of hearing my own voice. <laughs> so I started to bring people on and I wasn't doing it consistently. I, consistently. I was just like, let me just do a hundred episodes and just like, see what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I do a lot of my life. A lot of my entrepreneurial journey has been, let me just try it out for like, and then we'll just see what it feels like. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was my goal. My goal was a hundred. I did a hundred on my own. I was low key kind of bored because I'm just hearing my own voice. So I started mm-hmm. inviting people, a lot of engagement because it was telling my story. My story includes, you know, Jehovah's Witness, single mom, broke, narcissistic abuse, you know, baby daddy issues, all the stuff. So there was lots of women engaging of like me too, me too, me too. So I started to invite some of those women on once a week, then twice a week, then three times a week. Then mm-hmm. I had a conversation with a woman. I have no, I don't even remember what this woman's name was. She was interviewing me and she was like, oh my gosh, you do a podcast Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That's crazy. I do it once a week. I can't even. And I, she's like, why or how? And I was like, I love it. I'm like, if I could do podcasting every single day, I would. And she goes, well, why don't you? Mm-hmm. That was number one. Number two was actually an interview that I was watching. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Lewis House, mm-hmm. one of the best podcasters on YouTube right now, and Grant Cardone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grant Cardone was, I don't know who was interviewing who, but anyways, Grant Cardone was giving Lewis House some slack because Lewis House was doing his podcast, I think twice a week. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you can't even call that a podcast. That's not even work that doesn't count (laughs) the consistency. He was talking about the consistency of Mm, it. He's like, if you're not going to do it consistently, meaning daily, then don't even bother doing it. He was just razzing them. Basically Lewis millions of followers. But the fact that I had that conversation with that woman, like just a week or so before, and then I hear this, I kind of took it as like, you know what? I can freaking do this. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just see. So I opened up my calendar to five days a week and, um, sometimes there's a double. So like Monday I did two podcasts and mm-hmm. I did one yesterday. Um, and I said to myself, let's just try it until I don't want to try it anymore. And then I can mm-hmm. just close my, no harm, no foul. And so it's been, I don't know, maybe 10 months, almost a year since I've been podcasting every day. How do I do it? Time blocking like crazy. I have an entire binder of my step-by-step of what I need. And I also have a guy who does the back end. So I do all the front end of the podcast, the graphics, the back and forth, the emails, the description, everything on Facebook, StreamYard. I set all that up. Once it's actually done, then I have an individual who takes care of all the back end? Mm-hmm. So he cuts, slices it, puts it up on YouTube, does its own description, its own SEO, and then also uploads it to SoundCloud for me. Mm-hmm. 
So I probably brought him on when I was at three. I probably brought him on when I was at three. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. And I also, (laughs) I'm a big believer in the universe sends us messages at the right time. And it's up to us whether we listen and act on them, whether we just hear them or whether we just ignore them. You know, universe, God, whatever, whatever it is you believe in. But I believe these messages come to us. You talked about time management, and I know this is a very big um, part of what you do. Talk to us about how you manage your time. You mentioned time blocking. How, you know, is there anything else that you do um, to manage your time well? Because, you know, managing the front end of podcast, I don't even know how you do it. I don't do any of my management of my podcast. <laughs> I... First of all, there's kind of a rule of thumb that I play by. So I call it like the key of productivity. And there's three, three keys. Number one is time. And that's forever. So you don't really need to do anything. It's just already here right now. The second is energy. So when are your peak energy times? So I could probably ask you right now. When is your peak energy? Oh, my peak energy is between, I would say, 6 a.m. and 11 a.m. Then I'm done for the day. 11 a.m. This is how quickly people know. People know where their energy levels are. Mm-hmm. Not saying anything to you. I'm sure you're doing yours perfectly. However, the majority of people know exactly when their peak energy time is. However, if you ask them where they're trying to do the most productivity, it is not during those peak energy times, Mm -hmm. right? So they know their peak energy is from six to 11, but then they wait till 11 o'clock to actually sit down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. computer and start doing work, start doing stuff, start getting on calls. And where's their energy level in the fricking toilet. Mm. So second thing is where is your peak energy and work hard on things that need mental capacity during those peak energy times. So I have what's called like peak energy activities, things that you need to actually use your brain for typing, writing, emailing, like actual emails, not copy paste. Um, And zombie tasks. Mm -hmm. So things that you can just do mundanely, for instance, copy paste emails or um, clearing out emails, you know, um, laundry. Yeah. You know, still needs to whatever be done. It is. Yeah. Things that exercising things that you don't need to think in order to do them. Zombie tasks, mm. energy. And then lastly, number three is your attention. So where is your attention? during the peak energy times? Is it on work or is it on laundry, right? There's so many times we wake up 5.30 in the morning, we do our things, peak energy time, and we're like, let's do dishes. Yeah, we're like, we got to clean the house. We got to do all the things, peak energy time. And then noon, we're hungry. So we mm-hmm. got to have 
So a lot of us aren't starting our day until one or one or two o'clock in the afternoon and we're freaking tired. Mm -hmm. So instead, the way that I work is I know my peak energy time. I am also a morning person, one. And then I also have a second peak right around this time Mm -hmm. between six to 1030. What is my second wind? Mm -hmm. So I allow myself to work really freaking hard early in the morning, 630. I'm already sending out emails. People are already hearing from me at six in the morning. I'm already doing things. I'm posting. I'm getting my day started right around lunch. I relax. I actually put my feet up. I sometimes sit by the pool. I grab something to eat. I do some cleaning. I call my fiance mundane zombie things, laundry, call my mom, whatever it is dinner. Then I work from mm. six to 10 30 on, I am on, 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 on work. And then the, 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 um, add on to that is I always have four tasks at least that I need to get done every single day. So I always list out the four most important things that I need to be getting done that day. One of those four things need to be something that is pulling money into my business. Mm, so important. So important. Yeah. We get so wrapped up in podcasting and all the things with podcasting and it takes a whole day and we did absolutely nothing to actually get money to us. No sales calls, no email blasts, no buy, buy now buttons in DMs. And then we, at the end of the day, we're like, I'm tired as hell. And I made no money. Mm-hmm. You didn't bring money towards you. hundred percent. I love what you talk about working in your energy. And this really came to light for me. Oh, I think it was maybe about six ish years ago. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're always listening to how, you know, podcasts and books and reading, how can we be better? And one of the things that came into my world was this conversation about, you know, your, your morning routine. And I was like, oh, I don't have a morning routine. I get up and I have breakfast and I dive straight into work. And, you know, I was seeing on social media, you should never, you should never work first thing in the morning and you set up your day. So what I did was change my whole routine and ran this, this morning routine where I did journaling and, you know, I did affirmations and I did my reading and blah, blah, blah. And then finally about, you know, nine, 10 o'clock in the morning, I was ready to do something. Sometimes I'd go to the gym and I wouldn't even start till later. And my productivity absolutely dipped so radically. I'm like, what is going is on? Really? Yeah, huge. Oh, I didn't think you were going to say that. I thought you were going to go the opposite way. I thought you were no, going to say that. No, no, it did the opposite because I was spending all of this productive energy sitting down and journaling. I journal at five o'clock in the afternoon when I'm doing, you know, when I don't have my energy. So I love that you said that because I think there's so much talk about, you know, um, your routine should look like this. And I am now the biggest advocate for your routine needs to suit you and no one else. It absolutely has to suit you and really pay attention to the way that you're running your day. So now I'm back to getting up at, you know, somewhere between five and six and getting straight into work by sometimes even earlier than 11, sometimes between 10 and 11, I'm done for my morning. 
I, you know, I'll go to the gym. Uh, I always go out for coffee with my hubby. Sometimes we go out for lunch. We'll go for a walk. You know, we'll sit down and we'll talk about things or we'll, you know, brainstorm things. But the afternoon is absolutely no time for me to be doing a podcast interview. My brain is not is not on. You know, we're recording this at eight o'clock in the morning for me. You know, we're in your productive time. But I think it's a really important conversation to say, make sure that you are working to your personal routine. And please don't get caught up in what I did, (laughs) thinking everyone else knows best because you know best. So I love that you said that. A hundred percent. And that morning routine of whatever that is of a book that you're reading can be done at any time. It could be your afternoon routine. It could be your before, before you go to bed routine. So yes, to everything you're saying. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Procrastination. Let's talk about this because procrastination is something that every single one of us has. There are definitely tasks I procrastinate on. What do you see the biggest reason that people procrastinate? Ooh, so a lot of times people say fear, you know, and then other people say success. So, oh, I'm too afraid or, oh, I'm afraid of success. I'm going to, I'm going to say yes to those. And I'm not going to really talk on that because we hear that everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say two new things that I think rank real high up there. One would be overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And two would be lack of know-how. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's so much stuff to do. We can all relate to this. There's so much stuff to do. Your list is a mile long. You have no idea where to start. So then you do nothing. (laughs) Oh yeah. Overwhelmed, completely just overwhelmed so much. And especially if you're not writing it down, I actually said a list. A lot of people don't even have a list. So it's just like in your brain, just like floating around in files that are open or closed. We got paper everywhere inside our brain. Um, It's very overwhelming. So what's easier to do than to file all that away and figure all that out? It's just easier just to sit down and relax. So that's number one. And then number two is just lack of knowing. So I always tell this story about when I first signed on to my CRM. I was in my mastermind with a group of ladies when I first started my mastermind. And I was talking about like keeping track of your network. And I was so proud of myself. I pulled out this binder that was literally like this thick, overflowing with papers. And I'm like, These, this is my network. And I'm keeping track of every single person that I've ever talked to. And it has their name. I'm like showing it. I'm all show and tell. <laughs> and I see the chat going. I see the chat going. And I pause. And I'm like, let me, what's going on here? I read the chat. And there's this like banter, friendly banter, because we're all loving females in our group but friendly banter of you need to get on a CRM. Like, what are you doing? Sabrina? <laughs> like, You're running a business here and you have a binder that's like three, three and a half inches thick in a three inch binder. Um, this is ridiculous. So I, I took that. I was like, okay. And some of you don't. So like, you should be doing this in the beginning of your business. This is how I started my business. Right. But then I went on this search for CRMs. Like I have to find a CRM. So what do you Google when you're looking for a CRM? You put 
all this, you know, give me some CRMs in Google. And what happened? Oh, hello. A million of them come up. (laughs) 100 CRMs. 100 CRMs. So one, just totally overwhelmed. I don't even know. Two, just lack of, I don't even know what a CRM is. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know what it does. So I was just like, this is too hard. And I don't know. So what did I do? I procrastinated. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. I literally looked it up. I clicked on a few things. I felt like this. Like I can't breathe. <laughs> my anxiety goes up. There's prices out of my binders free, by the way. CRM, there's all these like $19.99, I'm like, God, click away, right? So it, it took me probably... All realistically, you know, a couple times of Googling stuff, but probably about three months before I finally purchased and just like got one. I just picked one basically, and I've had it ever since, and I love it. But lack of knowledge, not knowing, not mm-hmm. asking the right questions, not having the right people to ask. See, if I was smart, I would have just asked. I would have been like, "What's a good CRM? Give me the top three." Mm-hmm. Would I just picked one, but didn't do that. So, you know, watched a hundred YouTube videos, comparison, this versus this, you know, all the things that we do. Mm -hmm. That take up so much time. And that goes back to what I mentioned a lot earlier in this episode. One of my favorite words is resourcefulness. And this is plays into what you're talking about here. And I didn't even know you were going to talk about this. But resourcefulness, I believe, is the biggest stopper of procrastination. It's like asking the right questions and who do you go to? You mentioned then you could have, you know, asked those people, what are the top three CRMs? And it would have completely changed it up. So I think it's one of our biggest gold mines that we're sitting on in our business, in being able to grow it, is actually asking better questions and being resourceful about where to get the answers because we don't know the answers all the time, but we do know how to find that answer somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I 100% believe that I am where I am in my business right now because of my resourcefulness. And I think a lot of that is how I got out of the situation that I was in is because of my resourcefulness. And I use my resources, resources being all kinds of things, right? Could be a website, could be people, Mm -hmm. could be clients, could be network, could be my own community. But I use leverage a lot. So it's one of the things that I talk about is we helping each other go from A to C. Mm -hmm. You know, using each other's resources, minds, actual resources. Um, I don't mean money, but like, you know, so-and-so who knows so-and-so you, you have a business, you know, what can we do inside your, your brick and mortar? You know, what can we do inside your Facebook group? What can we do inside my podcast? Um, using each other's resources to gain leverage for each other. So you see this a lot in the, um, elite where Mm -hmm. they're bringing their networks together you know, big, huge names are coming together and bringing their network together and using the leverage of both communities in order to both take a huge step up in their business. 
And I think one of the things that we forget sometimes is people don't commit to just buying one thing, right? Like I have a kombucha here and I drink GT kombucha. I love GT kombucha, but girl, I also, you know, grab myself a health aid every once in a while. I also grab myself one of those boutique ones that I've never even heard of before because I'm looking to, you know, try it out or something. So like, yes, we are loyal and we also spend our money in other things. So we can watch Alex Hermosi sales and Grant Cardone sales and Gary Vaynerchuk sales and be subscribed to every single one of them and fully committed to all of them just fine. Mm -hmm. We have to remember this as business owners, just because somebody is committed to one doesn't mean that they can't add on another here or another there. I hear all the time of people having three or four coaches, mm -hmm. you know, a life coach, a health, a trainer, health coach, a speaking coach, you know, and a whatever. So I think it's important to recognize that just because somebody is with a person doesn't mean that they can't find value in who you are and what you are specifically selling, even if it's similar to somebody else. Hmm. A lot of times that off and we're like, Ooh, they've already got somebody. Ooh, they've already. And that's not a thing. People have multiples. I have three different kinds of bread in my, in my <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? Like I have yeah. bread, I got bagels and I have wheat bread. It's not like just wheat bread. And because wheat bread exists, you can't have bagels and, and egg McMuffins and, and raisin bread. People buy all of it. Mm. That's you know? such a good point. Um, yeah. And what you were talking about there just reminds me of the quote, success leaves clues. Like have a look at those people, the people in your world that are doing really well that you're following and have a look at the way they do it. And what you mentioned there, I think is the biggest clue that success leaves and it's the the who. Who do you know? Who is in your network? Who do you need to reach out to or bring into your network? You know, where do you need to pay to have proximity to the people that are in your network? So I'm a big believer in that too. We can always, you know, we're only, I don't believe in this three degrees of separation. I think that there's, it's a lot less when you find the right people and paying for proximity is something that you can do to really speed that along. But I think who is probably the most resourceful thing that we've got available to us in business. Yeah, I 100% agree. And one of the things that I talk to my community about every single day is the importance of making sure that you're talking to at least one stranger a day that you did not previously know or have a conversation with and getting on the phone with them in some way and striking up a conversation and telling them what you do for work. Mm -hmm. So many people go days, weeks, months without ever talking to anybody about their business. And then they wonder why their business is failing. Mm. You have to be getting on the phone. For me, myself, I do cold network calls, not sales calls, cold network calls, three to five every single day, seven days a week. Mm. I'm booked out weeks in advance with networking calls. My calendar holds five a day tops and I'm booked out. Like if you look right now, you can't set an appointment for probably 16 days um, because I'm doing my calls. I'm meeting my people. I'm meeting the network. There's 
there's calls coming, there's connections coming into me that I'm sitting down with these people and I'm telling them about my business. And those eventually turn into sales calls or lead pages or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot today about confidence, time management, all the things that play into this whole melting pot of really stepping into the next level. If there was one thing that you want to leave listeners with today about really taking our business to the next level, what would it be? Oh, you know, I would love to touch on procrastination a little bit more and make it a little bit lighter Mm -hmm. for your, for your community right now. One of the things that I talk about a lot is the heaviness of procrastination. I think that we wear it like very shamefully. Like, mm, oh. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm going to urge your community to think about it just a little bit differently. I believe that procrastination is low-key kind of a myth. Because when you're saying yes to one thing, you are saying no to everything else. So the definition of procrastination is just not doing something, Mm -hmm. not doing something. So you and I, Samantha are sitting here right now and we are being productive. Mm -hmm. We're being productive. I'm sharing my knowledge. You are creating an episode for your podcast. We are being productive, but low key, we are procrastinating on every other thing that we could possibly be doing right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we start to look at it as, Hey, procrastination is an ongoing thing. You can never, ever get rid of it. Even the most productive people, like I consider myself a very productive person. I am always every single day when I think I'm being super productive, I am also procrastinating. There are areas of my business that are not being touched or not being um, handled the way they should be because I'm being productive in areas of which I think are high priority. So it's a consistent thing. So when we can start to recognize, hey, it just is what it is and just allow ourselves to just have that lull, instead concentrate on what are the four things, the four big thing. We all know the four big things that we are supposed to be doing in our business that we're not doing. We all know mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I had all your you sit down right now and I was like, hey, right now, write down on a piece of paper, all the things in your business that you should be doing that are money-making activities that you're not doing, every single one of them would be able to write down five five to 10 things literally within 60 seconds, all Mm -hmm. of them. Those are the things. So I'm going to challenge them instead of worrying about procrastination and being all freaking shameful about it. Next, what are the top 10 things that you need to be doing in your business to create income for yourself? Write them down for a day, for a day. And make sure one of them is actually a lead page, is actually a sale, multiple sales calls or whatever you're doing for the day where money is going to be coming in that specific day, not massaging. These aren't massaging emails. These are cold closing emails or calls where money is coming in one of those activities a day. And you'll see success. You'll see success if you consistently do that for months months and months and months you'll see success Mm, love that sabrina for people that are listening to this episode and they've enjoyed getting to know you how can they continue to connect with you my website sabrinavictoria.com sweet and simple has everything all of my communities the one that i was talking about here and 
all of my social media. So I predominantly hang out on Facebook. That's my fave. Uh, LinkedIn would be second and Instagram would be third. So if you're really looking to like get in and like meet me and like see all the things, Facebook is the best. Perfect. And we'll put all the links to those social media platforms to connect with Sabrina in the show notes over at influencedbydesignpodcast.com. Thanks so much for joining me today, Sabrina. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. 100. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencedbydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.